Let's do a little pinball podcast today. It's episode 555 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. A quick COVID update. I'm doing better. I got back my sense of taste and smell, which was a glorious moment. When you lose something like taste and smell and you get it back, you drink beer, you eat barbecue, and you have amazing meals lined up, which I've been doing all week. Now I feel like I gained all the weight back immediately. Okay, so what's been going on in the pinball world? Well, not a ton of stuff. We saw a stream last night. I want to talk about the agony and the ecstasy of opening up a Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition only to find out that it had been dropped during transit and the cabinet was cracked. If you haven't seen this video, it is the most painfully beautiful, disastrously elegant video I've ever seen of an unboxing of a pinball machine. And they even gave me a shout out. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about the Pinball Hall of Fame and how it needs to raise money to open up over there in Las Vegas. Before I do that, I want to ask all of you out there because I'm going to do a separate podcast about your favorite themes that you would love to see turned into pinball machines. I think a lot of people enjoyed the last episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast when I shared with you 10 themes that I think would be amazing pinball experiences and I told you why I thought each one would be great. So I want to hear from you on what your favorite themes are, and I will include Harry Potter so you don't have to waste a selection on that franchise, okay? All right, so let's talk about where we are right now on Inauguration Day in the pinball world. As the world is focused on very important things and transitions of power, what is happening in the pinball world? Are there any transitions of power going on? Some question I've been thinking about was this. Do we feel that Jersey Jack Pinball has really dented Stern with Guns N' Roses? Has Stern felt that at all? The success of Guns N' Roses. Has it sort of given Jersey Jack more of the pinball market share? They definitely got a ton of orders for GNR, but their inability to make that game fast enough, I think, won't make Stern feel it very much. Because Stern will win with volume and efficiencies. And I really wish Jersey Jack could get more games out the door because I really want to get to the next game, and so do you. I know GNR was just revealed in October. But I would love it if Jersey Jack could somehow find a way to at least release one game a year. Now, if we think about it like that, because Jersey Jack has never done one game a year, and I mean one game revealed and shipped each year. If we think about it like that, then we really shouldn't see Toy Story until sometime in the fall. But for some reason, I think most of us have started to expect new pinballs much more frequently because Stern Pinball gives us a new machine every three to four months. So we start to get antsy after like two months of a game reveal, and we start to look around the corner and say, what's next? Does it not already feel like everyone is already looking past Led Zeppelin? I don't think I've seen a Stern launch in recent memory in which people have moved past it so quickly. And I know a lot of you haven't played it, I know the jury's still out on whether or not it's a great machine or not. I haven't played it yet, so I'm not going to give you my assessment of like the game itself. 
But just from how the community is responding to Led Zeppelin, it does feel like a game that is going to be quickly forgotten. Because I almost think like it's already kind of forgotten by the community. And there's nothing people are seeing in it that is really blowing people away. Now I'm getting early reviews on the Pro and here is what I'm hearing about Led Zeppelin Pro. That that third flipper is pointless and it kind of breaks up the game in a bad way. Now the third flipper has a purpose on the Premium and the LE because it goes up that ramp and loops around. It's got like a shot or two dedicated to that flipper. But for some reason, Stern removed that from the Pro. And so you basically just have like a dead shot, if you will. And I think that's really starting to have a negative impact on people's gameplay of the Pro. Now, I wouldn't even go near a Led Zeppelin Pro if you paid me, simply because I do look at that game and it is the most hideous looking pinball package I've ever seen. I understand that it's Led Zeppelin's own artwork. It looks like a loaf of Wonder Bread. I can't get over that. I can't get over how hideous it is. But did you see this this week? Stern is now offering the lighting option that is in the premium and the LE. You can add it to your Pro for the bargain price of $450 for a strip of LEDs and some inner art decals. 450 bucks. Stern is learning very quickly that you can charge a lot for accessories. I think the Led Zeppelin topper is another 890 or 850 bucks for that topper. Now look at that topper. I don't even think it's interactive. I don't think it even does much other than light up. For some reason in the pinball world, people don't understand how cheap LED lights are. They are probably some of the cheapest things you can put in a pinball machine. We all got used to spending 200 plus bucks on Pin Stadium, but you know how much a strip of LED lights costs? Five to 10 bucks? I get you have to create an app and you have to make them programmable, but man, that is where the biggest profit margin lies. Now, would I get a Stern Led Zeppelin Pro and add the light package to it? I don't think I would. I think when you start to add up these accessories, it makes more sense to just find a premium of the game because the premium to me is the way to go on Led Zeppelin. You get all the features, you get the light show, you get all the shots you're gonna want in the game, and then you have a game that is not breaking the bank. I do predict that Led Zeppelin LEs are not gonna go down as highly coveted machines. We're starting to see people try to sell them for over 9,200. There's a few on eBay for like 13, 14,000. I think you gotta be bonkers to spend 5,000 over on this game right away. I do think in a year, we are gonna see Led Zeppelin LEs trading hands for less than $9,200. But if you're a Led Zeppelin fan and you have to have it, I think that's really the only reason you would go in on a Led Zeppelin LE. But again, I think we're looking past this game already. So do you think Led Zeppelin will have more momentum once more people jump on it? Or will this be another Stern game that quickly gets forgotten like the Munsters? Time will tell, it's too early to tell yet. But I do think Stern releasing this rock and roll pinball machine right after Guns N' Roses was the worst possible time to get people excited about a Led Zeppelin pinball machine. So I've got a few Jersey Jack pinball rumors and you have to take these with a grain of salt. And this is just stuff I'm hearing through the grapevine. And so Canada is telling you 
It's a rumor. So when you want to go on your shows now and complain that he's delivering a false narrative, the definition of a rumor is that I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just hearing it through the grapevine. And look, it's more fun to talk about rumors and things we're hearing in the grapevine, right or wrong. It's more fun to speculate on this stuff than it is to just, let's just make sure we only cover stuff that is factually correct. Because we all know that a pinball company will never factually guarantee anything that is of this nature. Okay, so here's what I'm hearing over at Jersey Jack Pinball. So I was talking to someone who went over to Jersey Jack Pinball and I heard a few things. One thing I heard was that when they were talking about the next title, the feeling over at Jersey Jack Pinball is it is incredible. It is phenomenal. Wait until you see the next game. Now, what do we expect them to say about their own products, right? They're not going to be like, oh, man, like Pat Lawler really mailed it in on Toy Story. So Toy Story is the next game. And Toy Story's been worked on for years. Like people have forgotten this game was supposed to come out when the last Toy Story movie came out and they were still working on it and they had to put Wonka in front of it because Disney was not happy that the game was not ready. So this game is another game in which Pat Lawler has had so much time to finesse this game and make this game magical. Now I hope he learned a few things from Willy Wonka. I hope they don't butcher the assets in Toy Story. I also hope they don't make this game too difficult to get into it and get deep into the game. Those are the two things that really crush Willy Wonka for me, is that the assets are put in a blender. You know I've done enough shows about that. But also the game is just too hard. You really can't get to most of the fun stuff that's in the game. And I hope that they make Toy Story more approachable and give people more of what's to enjoy earlier on in the gameplay experience. You can't bury it all too deep. And they've had no greater focus group than looking at the response to Guns N' Roses, a game that immediately gives people satisfaction, a game that has so many things to enjoy, a game that has 21 songs that give you 21 different moments of pinball magic. And so Lawler has seen the success of GNR. And will Guns N' Roses' success, will that impact anything Pat Lawler does with his Toy Story game? I'm also curious, I really am, I'm curious if Pat Lawler is happy for the success of Eric Minier or if he's a little bit jealous. If he's jealous that this young gun, having just released only two titles in the world, has two games that are so highly celebrated and highly coveted by the pinball world. I mean, think about it. Eric's games sold so quickly and they would have sold so many more pirates if they had continued to make it, but Dialed In barely sold at any rate. It took Dialed In almost two years to sell out of only like, I think maybe 2,000 made. So Pat Lawler's comeback to pinball was a total flop on a lot of levels. Like the, it just, the sales were not there. But now he's got a licensed theme that people want. Will Toy Story knock it out of the park? But when will we see Toy Story, right? If this is such a great game, I don't think we're going to see Toy Story like anytime soon because at the rate they're making games, it makes no sense to reveal another game. They've got at least 18 months to make Guns N' Roses orders. Jersey Jack Pinball either needs to hire more people or they can't reveal Toy Story. It's just going to be a, a bottleneck of getting games out the door.
Okay, what else am I hearing over at Jersey Jack Pinball? So I'm also hearing this. The person I spoke to is walking around JJP, and what did they see? They saw a lot of parts for Pirates of the Caribbean, which led them to conclude, I don't know if it's accurate or not, that Pirates of the Caribbean is possibly up for a rerun. Now, I would take this rumor with a grain of salt because I don't think seeing parts over at Jersey Jack Pinball is an indicator that they are going to rerun this game anytime soon. In fact, those are probably just parts that are there as spare parts for the games that are out in the world. There are 1,000 Pirates of the Caribbeans out in the world. I would assume that Jersey Jack Pinball has spare parts for at least 50 to 100 of those games, just backups of things. But here's what I don't get, is why won't Jersey Jack Pinball make backup playfields for people to buy today? If you go on eBay today, this is ridiculous. There is a Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition playfield, which you can't get anymore. You can't go to Jersey Jack Pinball and order one. If you go to Mirko, Mirko sends you back to Jersey Jack Pinball. So guess how much somebody wants for a $1,000 playfield of Pirates CE. On eBay, it's being listed for like $5,000. $5,000. So someone out there wants to make five times what they paid simply because Jersey Jack won't make anymore. The same is true with all these toppers over at Stern. Why don't they just make more Ghostbusters toppers? Why can't they just make more Kiss toppers? Why are they making their own fans who bought into these games pay five times over the price of stuff when they can simply rerun it? At least manufacture another couple hundred Stern and give people a chance to get it at sticker and take away the scalper's ability to fleece your community. But they're not doing it. They're not doing it. So I don't think Pirates is coming back. I don't think it's coming back anytime soon. I think it would make sense down the road to rerun Pirates as a Vault Edition-like game. I think if you made 500 Pirates, you could charge 15K per Pirate and they would sell. But the problem is with Jersey Jack is there's just no room in the lineup to put Pirates back on the line. You've got Toy Story next. You've got all these Guns N' Roses machines to make. Where's the line that's going to build Pirates? And also, this company has fully shifted over to standard body games. We are never going to see another wide body from Jersey Jack Pinball. I think it is highly unlikely you ever see another wide body. So I have a hard time believing that they're gonna go back to the most complicated, most headache-inducing wide body game they've ever made, which is Pirates. I have a hard time believing they wanna go back to that nightmare. It was a manufacturing nightmare for them. And that's why they quickly moved on from it and said, we're done. And so I think the future of Jersey Jack Pinball is in front of them. I don't think they're going to look to make revenue from yesteryears as games. I don't. I think Pirates is done. I think games are going to continue to soar in value. I think if you really want one, you're going to have to pay a lot for it. But it's still the same Pirates. If you didn't like it or you don't like the theme integration or you don't like 22 characters and it's too deep and there's too many multi-balls, it's not going to be the game for everybody. It's definitely not the greatest game of all time. I've played Pirates a bunch. 
and something about it just doesn't click with me, but that doesn't mean that some of you don't absolutely love it and swear by it, and I'm happy that you enjoy it. But I look for greater theme integration in my pinball machines, and I find so little theme integration in that game. I do. I think it's one of the strangest pins to me. It's like so awesome on a pirate level, but so poorly integrated as a Pirates of the Caribbean level. So here's the other interesting rumor I'm hearing over at Jersey Jack Pinball. So we know that Toy Story is next. Then the big question is, what is Eric Minier's next game? Now, the rumor I was hearing months ago was that he'd be working on Avatar, the new movies coming out from Disney, the next Avatar films from James Cameron. And I don't know how I feel about that, right? Because A, we don't know if those movies are going to be any good. They don't have any nostalgia to them because they're going to be brand new. And it's just not something that, I don't know, there's just something about Avatar that we already had an Avatar pinball machine. You could argue that we already had a Guns N' Roses. It reminds me of them going in on Hobbit so big. Like, what could go wrong with Peter Jackson making the Hobbit movies? And then we all saw how horribly wrong those movies went. And then that carried over into people's enthusiasm for the machines. I also think it could be really difficult for them to get all the assets for the new Avatar movies because there's like three more movies coming and there's no way this will incorporate all of those movies. So I think Avatar would actually be a really bad franchise to hit at this point. So here's what I'm hearing the rumor is. And this rumor at first might upset some of you, but it starts to make total sense when you look at the sales success that they're just achieving now with Guns and F and Roses. I'm hearing that Eric Minier's next game might be, might be another music pin. Now, if you think about that, Slash has said in interviews that he wants to do more pinball. Slash and Eric are talking all the time. Slash can go get you almost anything you want. Like he is the greatest connector between a pinball company and famous people, whether they're musicians or movie directors or actors. You're telling me if you're a famous musician, a director or a movie studio and your phone column is lit up and it's like on line one we've got a Jody Dankberg from Stern Pinball on line two we've got David Fix from American Pinball on line three we've got Roger Sharp and on line four we've got Slash from Guns N' Roses would like to talk to you which line are you picking up first and we saw what Slash can do with getting live and let die into the game for free for free Imagine if Slash called up Tim Burton, if he's friends with Tim Burton. Imagine if Slash called up the Red Hot Chili Peppers or the Beastie Boys or Motley Crue. And so it starts to make some sense, this rumor, that why wouldn't they, if they've had such success with a music pin, why wouldn't they go back to that well and do this kind of treatment with another major act? Now, playing devil's advocate, my only concern is... How would you bring another band to life as good as you brought Guns N' Roses to life? Like, you couldn't just do another concert-going experience, right? It would just feel very repetitive. So what would you do? How would you be able to approach another music pin and keep it fresh and keep it interesting? And if I were Eric, I wouldn't want to do another music pin right away. I had just done one. I would have spent two years doing something musically oriented. I might want to dive into something more sci-fi. You know, I've done a pirate game, I've done a rock and roll game, how about we do something science fiction? Or how about we do an action movie, right? How about we do The Matrix with Eric Minier, right? So if I were him, creatively, I would want to scratch a different kind of itch 
if I was trying to bring a world to life under glass. So I hope it's not a music pin, but that is one of the rumors I'm hearing that Eric's next game might be a music pin. Now, I do think Slash's presence at Jersey Jack Pinball could open the door for some of the most incredible pinball licenses and themes because we know that Slash has more clout than Jersey Jack himself. Remember, it was Jack who's been going out and trying to get these licenses. Slash will have a much easier time convincing people to do it. And I think Slash wants to be a part of those projects. That's the other exciting part. It's not just like Slash is, is your like networker. He's also emotionally invested in pinball. I can't underscore the importance of Jersey Jack having Slash in their corner. What a strategic advantage they have versus the competition right now. All right, let's talk about this Guns N' Roses unboxing that went live yesterday. This was the most painful pinball video I've ever seen because it started out with such ecstasy. And these gentlemen, Joe was the owner, they're unboxing this game. Everything looks perfect for like 25 minutes or a half hour. They're taking out the cardboard, they're putting the legs on, they're showing us the rad cows. They get the game into the game room and then they go to lift the play field and they're just mesmerized by the gold sparkle. And then all of a sudden, they're like, what's this? And they see the cabinet by the apron is cracked and the metal by the apron is bent, and they realize that the game has been damaged. And what a deflating moment that is. You get your $12,500 collector's edition. There's only 500 ever going to be made. You're about to set it up and stream it for the world, and you don't even want to turn it on. You can't even turn it on because now you have to report back to JJP and the shipping company that this thing was damaged. And then they went and they explored the rest of the game. And you could see it where the hinges are on the back box. The wood was basically cracked. You could see the wood was splintering and the black was exposing the white underneath it. And it was not a pretty sight. And so clearly this game was tipped over and fell hard. Joe was saying on the video, when he looked at the box and it has the tip indicator, if you have ever seen a Jersey Jack pinball machine, there's a tip indicator that if it fills up, it means that this game was tipped over. And he said that that indicator was telling him that the game had been flipped, but he saw absolutely no damage to the box. So how then was this game so damaged if the box was intact? Well, clearly, it must have fallen hard on the pallet underneath the cardboard box and that force traveled through the game itself and caused it to break. But it's crazy the way it's cracked in the front and the back. So it almost feels like it was maybe like jammed in and like maybe twisted and there was just pressure on it as the truck was moving the way it's broken in so many areas. So what happens next? We will find out. I am not sure. I am assuming they are reaching out to JJP. There's really no solution here other than the game goes back to Jersey Jack Pinball and they completely put a new cabinet and back box in the machine and then send the game back to him. I think this is going to have to have a complete 
overhaul. You would not want to like swap out the cabinet and the back box at home. I think there's just too much work to be done here. It's such a precious machine. For me, if I were Joe and that were my machine, I would just, I would have to send it back. I wouldn't want to see it again until it was brand new again. And I think Jersey Jack will do the right thing. I think the shipping company will take responsibility. So no one's to blame here other than the shipping company clearly dropped it. I mean, something happened. It did not leave Jersey Jack like that. So I hope Joe and, and his friends over there get this thing settled. It's painful to watch it again because I watched it again knowing the outcome. And when you watch it knowing what they're going to discover, you're like, man, it's amazing how they miss it. Like you can see it. You can see the back box splintering of the wood from the very beginning. But man, it's so painful knowing that they're about to see something you never want to see when you unbox a new inbox. Now, they did say in the video, I, I give them credit. They said, hey, nobody tell Canada about this. So it's nice to know we've made it into the pinball culture, that when people have their most painful pinball moments, I'm the first person that comes to mind. So I want to thank you guys out there for thinking about me during your extreme moment of agony. It's nice to know that I'm the first name that pops into their head. All right, so speaking of agony, let's close this show with the Pinball Hall of Fame. Tim Arnold needs to raise some money to get the Pinball Hall of Fame off the ground. He has to pay the contractors the remaining $200,000 or they might be in jeopardy of never opening up. So first and foremost, I know there's a lot of discussion around this. I have never been to the Pinball Hall of Fame and I'll explain why. When I go to Vegas, I go to Vegas to party. I go to drink, I go to have amazing food, I go to see shows. The last thing I wanna spend my time doing when I'm in Las Vegas is playing pinball. I can play pinball so many other places. Why would I pull away from a Vegas experience to go play pinball machines? So there's that. There's also no drinking in the Pinball Hall of Fame. So people out there that have suggested that Tim serve booze, get, get this, people who are suggesting that it would be smarter for them to serve alcohol are getting downvoted, downvoted. I don't care if you wanna downvote those people, they're right. Pinball without booze is no fun. The reason why modern pinball in New York City was such a sad place to go into, because they didn't serve any booze. You literally walked in there and there was like no socialization. There was no music. There was no drinks. There was nothing festive. Like you didn't want to stay. So I can't imagine being in Vegas with your friends trying to party. Hey guys, let's, let's, you know, let's go, let's pop by the, uh, the pinball hall of fame first before our big night out. And like, you can't order a drink. Why is that a crazy suggestion? Especially when you're now on the Vegas strip, you're going to have a pinball experience with no drinks. So Tim has started a $200,000 GoFundMe that I think is around like, they've got like $56,000 raised to this point. So they've got some ways to go. The other part that was kind of shocking to me was this thing is a $10 million building. $10 million. Why would you spend $10 million on a non-for-profit pinball museum? I, I don't... I don't get how you do the math where you're going to make that money back. He said since COVID hit that they've lost $500,000 on the old place in terms of revenue. And so that's been about 10 months. So I don't know, maybe maybe he's able to make close to like half a million or a million a year with the pinball museum. And so this is a long-term venture for them. 
So I'm not gonna come on here and say that I know how to run an arcade business. I know how to make it profitable. If you wanna donate to the Pinball Hall of Fame, the GoFundMe is up there. I'll do my job to create awareness for it. I do think $10 million on a pinball building is kinda crazy. Maybe that's why there's also arcade games in there. If it was like a museum of arcade machines, you would get more traffic. You would get more traffic. I know you pinball people out there don't understand this, but arcades are way more popular than pinball. Now, why not just have both? Why not make this amazing arcade? I mean, even if you put in like Japanese candy cabs and you had just like this humongous building that celebrated the finest in gaming history, a museum of gaming would even be more of a smart thing to do. But you know what? Again, I'm not going to change his business model. It is what it is. And we'll see if he reaches the goal. He, they seem to be pretty damn short. The other part is during COVID, a lot of locations are suffering. I saw Jack Barr had another fundraiser go up or the GoFundMe again. A lot of other places need money and need help to survive. It's been a terrible, terrible year. I'm also going to interview an operator who has some strong thoughts on all of this because that's the other part that you gotta look at some of this stuff. Like once you start a GoFundMe, and you're asking for money, have you exhausted all areas of fundraising potential? There are people out there that are sitting on a lot of money in games, and then they want you to sort of donate money. Well, maybe they should sell some of their inventory to raise the money. If you need 50 grand and you've got games in storage, I don't know, you know, it starts to open up the debate is like you shouldn't really donate unless you've exhausted all fundraising areas. And look, but nobody makes anybody donate too. I never get upset by someone asking for money because if John at Jack Bar wants to do a fundraiser or the Pinball Museum in Las Vegas wants to do a fundraiser, did I call it the Hall of Fame or the museum? Did I call it the wrong thing? I'm sorry if I did. But if anyone wants to start a fundraiser, that's their prerogative. You can decide whether or not you want to donate. What I don't get is being angry at people trying to raise money. Who cares? Just let them do their thing. It, all you have to do is not donate if you don't believe in the cause and then you're done with your frustrations and your headaches, okay? I don't think people do it to personally upset other people. They're just trying to stay in business. Now, it's going to be a rough year for pinball operators. It's going to be a rough year for pinball shows. I think 2021 is going to be a lot like 2020. People are slowly getting the vaccine, but it's not happening that fast. I think people are really waiting for the Johnson & Johnson one that's only one shot. So we're going to have to just mentally prepare for another year of this, another year of not seeing most of our pinball friends, another year of not playing these new games on location as easily as we did before. And it's a little bit of a bummer. It is. It's a bummer of a year, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a bummer of a next year. I'm really looking forward to my new baby. I'm looking forward to a new chapter in my life. I'm looking forward to a lot of new things in my world. And I will be totally transparent with all of you that pinball to me is starting to take less and less of a priority, mainly because the prices are so stupidly high. But primarily, I just don't see much pinball magic in these expensive games. I don't. I see some games that blow me away like GNR, but I just am tired of waiting for Chicago Gaming Company to come out with stuff. 
I'm tired of all the excuses. The Rick and Morty flippers are the reason why the game's not shooting great. If you just adjust the flippers, no, come on, people. There's a reason why companies have months and months and months of white wood testing. I shouldn't have to open up a Rick and Morty and take out a ruler and a leveler and all these different gadgets and try to sort of manipulate the flipper angle and shave down the coil bushings until the game plays right. I don't want to do that, okay? Can't you just make a game that plays right out of the box? I'm even seeing people with the Jersey Jack Guns N' Roses thread. The flippers are not aligned properly from the factory. Why not? Why do I have to adjust the flipper angle out of the box? Can't they just do that at the factory? I know, I know. Canada doesn't want to lift the play field. I don't. I want to spend 12.5, open it up, and it just damn works. Call me crazy, people. I don't like to bring out the soldering iron on weekend one to my pinball machine. And yes, I do know that you don't need a soldering iron to change the flippers. So before you start that thread on pin side, I'm just making an analogy. Okay, everybody. Anyway, everybody have a great week. We'll be back with more shows. It's middle of January. It's inauguration day. There's a change of power in the world, but there's not a change of power in the pinball world. Stern Pinball still dominates this thing by far. If Jersey Jack can get their efficiency up, if they can make more games a week, I think JJP will dent Stern's market share. But until then, until then, Stern is just going to keep clobbering everybody with their overpriced accessories. Have a great day, everybody. It